This is the Rich Dad Radio Show. The good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki. Hello, hello, hello. Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show. The good news and bad news about money. We broadcast from beautiful old town Scottsdale, Arizona. And where it's either heaven or hell. And right now it's heaven, except nobody's here. It's, it's empty. And we're next to all the bars and places, restaurants. Nobody's there. But anyway, it's still a beautiful place. And we have a very important show today. You know, we like to have people with real life experience. And I'm very honored to be talking to this gentleman here because he's made one of the top 10 lists. You know, you don't, you have to really do hard, go hard, you know, do something to make the top 10 list, but the most wanted list, that's the best thing about it. <laughs> and he's gonna be talking about something, a crime that affects all of us. And he is the expert, because I don't like these academic types who talk about theory. Our, our, our guest today, Brett Johnson, is an expert on crime and cybercrime. So he's gonna be talking to you about how you can protect yourself and more importantly, what's, going to, what's happening as we speak, who's trying to break into your worldly possessions. Because when I was a kid, we didn't have to lock our doors. Today, even if you lock your doors, you're still not protected. That's the tragedy of it. Any comments, Kim? Well, this this is going to be a very entertaining show. <laughs> we have quite the character. Mike started as, was on the most wanted list. He, Brett Johnson, built and ran the first cybercrime community. So he knows a little bit about cybercrime, but now he's turned the corner and uh, is going to teach us what we need to do and not do so that we don't become a victim. And so... Who could be a better authority on this subject than Brett Johnson? I'm excited. And he's, he's got 39 felonies. Man, that's a lot more than I got. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, just because uh, this, you know, Brett Johnson's over my head and my, my study, but we have the head of our cybersecurity and the whole Rich Dad uh, internet platform of this world is Rob LeCount. And so he'll be handling the more tougher questions outside of crime. Right, Rob? <laughs> yes, definitely. Good to be with you guys. So welcome to the show, Brett. Welcome, Brett. Robert, Kim, thank you so much for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Oh, we, we love having you on. And Rob, thank you for uh, backing us up here. Oh, no sweat. <laughs> I wouldn't miss it for the world. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Brett, you know, who's, when's the movie of you coming out? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Well, with coronavirus right now, everything's shut down. I'm in <laughs> talks with A&E to host a television show, to do voiceovers for another one. I've got oh. a couple of books in the pipeline. We keep talking about doing some sort of streaming service or streaming show about my life because, you know, it starts at age 10 and goes up to what I'm doing now. Well, t so, and so tell us, I mean, tell us a little bit about your life. What? It's pretty colorful. Ooh. Well, it, it's colorful is one word for it. Uh, Secret Service called me the original internet godfather. And the way I got that title are those 39 felonies you mentioned. I was had a place on the United States most wanted list. I escaped from prison and I built the first organized cybercrime community. It was a precursor to today's darknet and darknet markets. It laid the foundation for the way modern cybercrime operates today. And I am not the least bit proud of that whatsoever, but that's the case. Uh, I began my life of crime at 10 years old, 10 years old. Um, I'm from Eastern Kentucky. Eastern Kentucky is one of these areas like the panhandle of Florida, Louisiana, that if you're not fortunate enough to have a job, you're involved in some sort of scam, hustle, fraud, whatever you want to call it. My mother was basically the captain of the entire fraud industry. No crime <laughs> too big or too small. This woman 
This woman, at one point, she steals a 108,000-pound Caterpillar D9 bulldozer. That's my mom. She's She's got a neighbor she used to act as a pimp for. That's my mother right there. My, 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 my poor dad, that guy, that, you know, you're, you're the rich dad radio show. My dad had a show, if anything, the poor dad radio show. <laughs> this man, he was a good guy, but he loved my mom so much, he just... Whatever she wanted to do, he signed on to it. Oh, I'll co-sign on that one. <laughs> so that was my dad. And my mom leaves my dad. And she was she was just a horribly abusive person. She truly was. Uh, we moved from Florida back to Kentucky at that point. My mom used to go out and party with men a lot. And sometimes she'd take me and my sister. I was 10, my sister Denise, nine. Sometimes she'd take us with her and leave us in the car. Or we'd wait in the living room while she went in the bedroom. Most of the time, she just left us at home. And uh, what got me started on crime, we had been at home for a few days, didn't have any food in the house. My sister walks in and she's got this pack of pork chops. And I'm like, where'd you get that? And she's like, I stole them. And I'm like, show me how you did that. So we start stealing food. And that becomes, you know, that it goes from food into clothes and toys and games and music and all that bullshit. And finally, mom comes home, sees all the stolen stuff, asks where it came from. And we're like, I'm like, hey, we found it. And she's like, you didn't find that. <laughs> My sister stands up. She's half proud, half pissed off about it. We stole it. And my mom looks at my sister. Show me how you did that. And she joins us. She not, she not only joins us, but she goes and gets her mother to join us as well. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we, oh, my gosh. A yeah, family affair. This, yeah, this intergenerational <laughs> shoplifting ring in eastern Kentucky. Used to take these road trips. They'd go to JCPenney and steal you know, clothes and jewelry. I'd go to the bookstore and steal books because <clears throat> that's the guy that I am. But that, that was the first crime I committed right there. And uh, I, again, I'm not proud of it. I'm not saying that my childhood resulted in me as, as a criminal adult. But um, that's where it started right there. And I just kept going as, as I got older and finally burgeoned off into cybercrime. And we always see how that ended up. United States Most Wanted, all that good stuff. Five and a half years in prison. <laughs> <laughs> and you escaped. Yes. There was there. I don't think of it as escape. I think <laughs> of it as the institution could no longer benefit me, so I decided to release myself on all the and that got me even more time. Yeah, that's that's this idiot you're talking to today. <laughs> oh, that's a good. Anyway, oh, man. So, Rob, why don't you take over? Uh, have we ever been hacked or keep people? Come, you know what, what has happened to at Rich Dad? Yeah, we've been hacked quite a few times. You know, uh, one of our biggest assets is our email list, which is massive, right? It's it, it's huge. So people tend to try and get into our systems and try to get to the thing that's probably one of the most valuable things to the company, which is pretty normal, right? Like, why would people go after things that don't have any value? Um, but we've gotten really, really good at just firewalling stuff off, storing things in multiple locations, uh, multiple tiers of protection. But what I'm really curious about is, do you deal directly with that kind of security? Or are you more the personal level of cybersecurity? So I, I consult with Fortune 50, Fortune 500, uh, consumer groups like, uh, well, I, I consult with Microsoft, a lot of security companies. Consult with consumer groups like AARP, work with them as well. What you find, what's interesting, is you mentioned the email list. And, and here's the thing, if a, if a business is making money off a product or service, a criminal can and will make money off of that same product or service. So what's of value immediately in your business is, of course, that great email list because you've got more followers than Jesus almost, right? And it's like, we can <laughs> make money if we many. just have that list. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. So it's it's that's the important thing to get. And what what we see time and again with cybercrime, and I got I don't call them hackers because typically they're not. They don't really have a lot of skill, but they're very good social engineers. They know what it takes to manipulate someone into giving up one of four things: information, access, data, or cash. All right. And the example I like to use is is basically this phishing example. Why would I potentially, as an attacker, why would I potentially spend years trying to fight through or brute force my way through an industrial proof firewall when the only thing I need to do is send a phishing email to someone behind that firewall? I get the exact same access. I save myself a lot of time, trouble, and headache, and I profit quickly in a a very easy manner at that point. That's, you know, you're talking about your firewalls and everything. Typically, what you see is the security products are extremely good. They really are. The weak point is always, always the human being. So that's what you have to shore up. That's who you have to train, who you have to get to to always be vigilant. Because an attacker like I used to be, what I'm looking for is I'm looking for that weak link. I'm looking for that one person, just that one person that will give me that access. And once I have the keys to the kingdom, I take over and hit as hard as I can, as fast as I can. Does this sound familiar, Kim? Sounds very familiar. Yes, we, we had a very similar attack yep. uh, probably about three months ago. Uh, our CFO got targeted and they spoofed his email, pretended like they were sending an invoice over, pretended like they CC'd Kim, yep. left one letter out of Kim's email so that she would never get it. Sure. And then they got in through the back door of his email and started to basically feather off in emails that went to him to their own account and then just started to communicate with them like they were a vendor. Absolutely. And then he started to communicate with us like he was our controller. So was, that, that's, that's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that's what's uh, that's business email compromise. And what you're talking about, that technique, that's not a sophisticated technique. It's not. The, the number one technique that's being used right now is what's called using a Unicode or a Punicode domain. So, you, so I own the domain anglerfish.com. I can register a Unicode domain where the I is a Russian alphabet I. It just doesn't have a dot above it. That's it. It still comes with the same security certificates, everything else. Now, that ability to register those domains has been around for years, for years. But that is the number one way that business email compromise is committed today. And business email compromise, that's $12 billion a year. That's $7 million a day that companies are hit with. So it's, it's a real concern when you're talking about these types of attacks that are not complicated to pull off, someone that's not very educated at all can do something like that. So, so Brett, talking to the individual, um, what does an individual do to protect themselves? Well, funny you should ask. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not that hard. I talk about how it's not difficult from the criminal side of things. It's also not difficult to protect yourself. There are basically three things. The first is you freeze the credit of every single person in the house. And when I say every person, I mean every person, the the adults and the children, because children are the number one victims of identity theft. 25% of all kids will be a victim, either by synthetic fraud, tax fraud, or medical fraud. So freeze the credit. Credit freezes as of September 18th, 2018 are free. So do that. The next thing you need to do is you monitor all accounts because the only thing a credit freeze does is it stops all new account fraud. So also monitor all of your accounts. That means your email, your retail, your bank, your credit card, tax, everything. Place the alert on the account at the lowest dollar level that you can if there's a dollar level alert there. And the final thing, and this is where people and companies get eaten alive, is let me ask everyone here a question. How many people here use the same password 
on multiple websites. There we go. I'll raise my hand too. It's kind of like an AA meeting. My name is Brett Johnson. I use the same password on multiple websites. That's when you do that. 80% of every single person on the planet does that. And the problem is, is that criminals like me, we know that. So while you may, your, your level of awareness may be, may be high enough that if I send out an email from Bank of America, a phishing email, you look at it and say, oh, that's Bank of America. I'll not, I'll not fall, fall for that. That's crap. That's a phishing attack. But what if I send out an email that looks like it comes from Hulu? Is your level of awareness going to be as high? It's not. You're going to sit there and say, Hulu? Does anyone even watch Hulu? Hell, the only thing they've got is The Handmaid's Tale. No one watched that second season. Sucked. <laughs> So that's, that's, so, but, but when you use the same password, it gives me access not only to your Hulu account, but Bank of America, tax records, everything else. So I tell people that since we are consigned to using passwords, that the best thing you can do right now is to use a password manager. I don't care which one, just use one. So freeze credit, monitor accounts, password manager. Uh, Okay. Yeah, because I could never figure out how to remember all my passwards. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get you set up with a password manager, Kim. It's easy. There you go. Thank you, Rob. Yay. Yes. So, Rob, what, what, uh, what's Rich Dad doing to protect uh, our most valuable client list and the, our, our customers? Um, well, for one, like he's referring to, I constantly monitor it. I, I spend hours every day looking through logs, stuff like that, to see if there's any anomalies, people trying to access stuff, um, random IP addresses trying to access our network. Um, just diligent. Just pay attention to everything that we do. So let me ask this question because I, I know nothing. <clears throat> Let's say you're a small entrepreneur. I mean, and, and they don't have your skills, Rob. So Brett, what does a small entrepreneur do? Does it have a Rob sitting there watching their accounts? Well, first of all, you do the best you can. You have to realize that when you sign on, I don't care if you're a consumer or a business owner. When you sign on to some sort of security program, whether that be if you're a bigger business and you're using Splunk or you're a smaller just individual and you use uh, LifeLock or something like that, right? You have to realize that, that those security companies, they don't protect you completely. It's still up to you to be vigilant about your personal security because at the end of the day, it's your money. It's not the security company's money. It's your money. So you have to take an active part in protecting your money, your identity. And the way you do it is you start out by doing those three things. For a business, you always monitor every single thing you can. You want to make sure that no one's using your domain, that no one's talking about your business that you don't know about, that no one's on the internet putting fake reviews up on your business because they're a competitor all of a sudden. They're just trying to wreck you and drive business to them. Uh, One of the things we see constantly is that 80% of all reviews online are fake reviews. So we need to watch out for this kind of stuff and make sure that we're always proactive, never be reactive, always be proactive in everything. And you talk, you talk to about, I mean, the whole world of cyber crime, the, the good guys versus the bad guys. What, what is, who are the good guys and who are the bad guys? <laughs> it's hard to tell these days. It's like fake news. Question. What's you the know, real news and what's really fake news? It's really hard to tell. Yeah. You're, you're right, Kim. It is, it's really hard to tell sometimes who the good guys are and the bad guys. I will tell you that the, the bad guys are those who are looking to always cause you harm. So they're looking to steal your money, to steal access to your system, to steal information, to use it against you so that they can profit in one of three ways. They're either attacking you because they want money, because they're trying to gain status, or because of their ideology. You've said something that pisses them off. 
All right. You're, you're of a different political slant than they are. So they decide to make you pay, you know, by damaging your system because of that, by hurting you as an individual, you're, they're able to use whatever data it is against you. And that boosts their respect level up among every other criminal on the planet. That's the status. But most of the time it's cash. Most of the time it's cash that, that criminals are wanting. And it's just important that we realize that, there is a difference between the good guys and the bad guys. Uh, certainly we have the NSA, we have groups like that, that monitor all of our information and everything. But at the end of the day, we have to consider those guys. We don't like the privacy violations, but they are the quote unquote good guys. They're not looking to steal all of the money out of our pockets. All right. They, they think that they're doing the right thing. They're doing it because they're, they're trying to protect, even though I think that a lot of the times they overstep those boundaries and interfere with our private personal lives. The bad guys are always those that are trying to cause harm, not help. Got it. Thank you. So look, uh, it's time for a break. When we come back, we'll be going more into the trends. I mean, I know this is silly because I'm so far in the dark ages. I (laughs) I doubt that, Robert. (laughs) Technologically, yes, he is, Brad. (laughs) But I suspect, you know, technology is going to keep leapfrogging and so will cyber. You're right. And so You're that's, right. and I think that's, we can feel secure today, but tomorrow a whole new, something else will happen. When we come back, we'll be talking about what's going to happen in the future, how cyber crime as well as cyber technology will advance. We'll be right back. Hey, Rich Dad listeners, it's Rob, the producer of the Rich Dad Radio Show. Do you know the question that Robert and Kim are asked most? I have $500. What should I do with it? It's a frustrating question because most people cannot do what Robert and Kim do, and that is invest in large multifamily apartments. Here's the problem. That type of real estate investing requires a level of wealth that takes most of us out of the game. However, there is a way for anybody to do it, and it's called Fundrise. Fundrise is an online real estate investing platform allowing investors of all levels to purchase and create high-quality real estate portfolios and ultimately reap the long-term cash flow and value creation benefits historically provided by private market real estate. Through their cutting-edge technology and low-cost model, Fundrise enables you to instantly access hundreds of high-quality, high-potential private market real estate projects from high-rises in D.C. to multifamily apartments in L.A., all handpicked by Fundrise's in-house team of professionals. But now, no matter what kind of investor you are, Fundrise makes it simple to build a more perfect portfolio. So are you ready to get started? Visit Fundrise.com slash richdad. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E dot com slash rich debt to have your first three months of fees waived. Again, that's fundrise.com slash rich debt. Hey, Rich Dad listeners. No sound financial plan is complete without life insurance. And we know shopping for life insurance can raise a lot of questions. How much coverage do you need? Which insurance company is best for you? How much should it even cost? And at a time when it's more important than ever to have life insurance, the pandemic is making it a little more complicated to shop for it. That's where Policy Genius can help you. As a life insurance marketplace backed by a team of experts, Policy Genius is keeping track of all the changes in the market so you don't have to. They'll find you the right amount of coverage at the best possible price without a headache. Policy Genius pulls quotes from all the top life insurance companies. You can compare rates and find the best price for you. This doesn't 
This doesn't just save you a lot of legwork. You could save 1500 or more a year. You could save 1500 or more a year by using Policy Genius. Policy Genius pulls quotes from all the top life insurance companies so you can compare rates and find the best price for you. This doesn't just have this just doesn't save a lot of legwork. You could save 1500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and the red tape for free. So if you hit any speed bumps during your application process, they'll be there to take care of everything. So if you need life insurance but you're not sure where to start, head to Policy So if you need life insurance but you're not sure where to start, head to policygenius.com. Policy Genius will find you the best rate and handle the process completely. They'll get you and your family protected, and hopefully you have one less thing to worry about. Try Policy Genius today. Hi, this is Kim. Robert just left the studio, so I want to make a little confession. I went to one of those sites, you know, the ones where you tell them all about you and they match you up to your perfect dream. And no, 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 I don't mean a dating site. It's not a dating site. It's a dream site, sort of. Let me explain. You see, sleep is very important. It's actually one of the most important pieces to losing weight, being fit, and longevity. But it's also important because it's when your mind resets and dreams. And dreams are such an important part of all areas of life. Dreams are where you get to communicate openly with your subconscious. And now I dream and I found the solution. I found the dream site, it's called Helix Sleep. And Helix really does care about you. Helix doesn't make just the world's greatest beds. They make them to fit you like a custom-made, personalized glove. They determine how you sleep. For me, I sleep on my back. They ask about your body type to determine the perfect mattress. They ask all about your sleep preferences. And then, voila, the perfect mattress is introduced to you. The mattress that took into account all your needs, desires, quirks, and style and formulated the perfect design just for you. All you have to do is take the Helix quiz. It only takes about two minutes, but it could change your life. So if you're looking for a mattress, you take the quiz, you order the mattress that you're matched to, you can add on sheets and pillows or whatever else you need for your bed, and then the mattress comes right to your door rolled up in a box. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store again. Just go to helixsleep.com slash richdad, take the two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Oh, and don't forget, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash richdad. And to make it even better, Helix gives you a 10-year warranty. So this purchase won't keep you up worrying, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but I bet you will. Go to helixsleep.com slash richdad. And to make it even better, Helix gives you a 10-year warranty. So this purchase won't keep you up worrying, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but I bet you will. Go to helixsleep.com slash richdad. Welcome back. Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. And you can listen to the Rich Dad Radio program anytime, anywhere on iTunes or Android and YouTube. And please leave a review whenever you listen to it. 
And all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. We archive them for several reasons. You can listen to it again. You'll learn even more. But this one's a special program, especially for friends, family, and business associates on how to protect yourselves from cybercrime. So watch this video again and start the discussion. Awareness is the first step to awareness. Any comments, Kim? Well, you know, at Rich Dad, we talk about real teachers and fake teachers. And fake teachers are people that talk about what to do, but they've never done it themselves. So we have a real teacher with Brett Johnson because he was he was called the original internet godfather, was most wanted, and built one of the first organized cybercrime communities. So he comes from that side, and now he's tr doing his best to help those companies and individuals to protect ourselves because he knows he knows what goes on on the other side. So he's a real teacher and really happy to have you on the show, Brett. Yeah. Thanks. And, and I don't know much about cyber, but how did you escape from prison? Can you think of <laughs> how did I escape from prison? Well, there was a helicopter, <laughs> a couple of keys of Coke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. I mean, it, it's, it's nothing romantic at all. I was, um, I was arrested September 16th of 2006 in Orlando, Florida, and I was promptly taken to uh, South Carolina, charged, sent to prison. I had promised myself that if the judge sentenced me to any more than 60 months, that I was not going to stay, that I was going to <laughs> okay. release myself. All right, there you go. And I had bragged about it to everybody. So <laughs> I had no idea how I was going to do that, but I went to a minimum security institution. So when I arrived at the prison, they had this big fence and I'm, I walked in and I was being processed. And I looked at the guard because I know that you work outside of the fence some. And I looked at the guard and I was like, are there any jobs outside of the fence? And he's like, yeah, you can work in the national forest. And I was like, no, I'll die out there. And then he was like, well, you can work in landscaping. I'm like, you know, I can cut some grass. So I start doing that. My dad, I hadn't seen my dad once my mom leaves him. I hadn't seen my father in 20 years. He shows up at my sentencing at court, stands up, looks at the judge, and he's like, Your Honor, I want to make sure Brett gets a good life when he starts out again, when he gets released from prison. He can live with me when he gets out. I want to make sure he's okay. So he starts visiting me in prison. About the third visit in, my dad looks at me. He's like, you know, I've been reading about you in the news. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah. He's like, that's a lot of money you made. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you think you can teach somebody how to do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, always so an like, agenda. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so the deal was I made a deal with him. I taught him I'm the guy who invented uh, tax return identity theft. The reason you're all's tax returns are delayed every, every year. I'm the son of a bitch that started that. So I told my dad, I taught him how to do tax return fraud. <laughs> and in exchange, he dropped me off $4,000 in cash, a change of clothes, a driver's license and a cell phone. And I had contacts in the Ukraine that were supposed to send me fake passports and more money. They didn't. So I made it about 300 miles away. And the U.S. Marshals, meantime, are canvassing a three-state area. They find me four weeks later, take me back to prison. I spent eight months in solitary confinement. And at that point, I'm sent to a real prison in Texas, Ouch. where Texas knows how to do two things right, barbecue and build a prison. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Oh, oh, my uh, goodness. It's so, a great uh, story. Also with us is Rob LeCount, and he's our IT guy at, at the Rich Dad Company. You've been with us for 15 years. Unbelievable. 15 years. Unbelievable. And you handle all of our all of our technology, IT security, so that's why we have you on the show. So, um, trends. We were talking about trends. Well, let's ask this question. What was the question you wanted? You know, we're talking about trends in cybersecurity and, and upcoming things that are going to be 
I guess, big or a concern or an issue. What do you think about the deep fake? Oh, videos. What is deep fake? So deep fakes, you've probably seen the videos on YouTube of Jim Carrey replacing Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Those types of videos like that, where you just put, it's Jim Carrey's face, mannerisms, everything else, except it's, you know, Wendy, put down the bat, Wendy. So you, that's what's called a deep fake. It's taking someone's picture that uses a, a computer algorithm and places their video, their face on another person. And it looks, it's, it's indistinguishable from the real person acting in that role. I started to see this being used in criminal activity three, four years ago in the UK. And what was going on, pedophiles in the UK, they would surf Facebook pages, find pictures of children, and then use the children's face to go on pornographic videos. And then they would trade those as kind of currency to gain access to these pedophile websites. So that's where I saw it started. Now, most crime, again, takes place because it's money-based. People want to steal your money. So imagine deep fakes being used. Say I get a picture of your CEO for a company and I film a video and I place that CEO's face on the videos where it's indistinguishable from the real CEO. And I wire in a video, send money here, or even better, I make a comment about the stock price of that company as the CEO. And I prepare for that to crash or to boom up or whatever. The, the amount of crime, the ability to use deep fakes on just the videos is amazing. Voice as well. Think about, think about voice authentication because nowadays we've got these, this biometric thing that goes on online. You've got your, uh, your fingerprints, your voice recognition, everything else. All right. So what happens when deep fakes on voice is indistinguishable from the real person? I call in acting like, Robert, and tell someone to empty out my bank account and send it to this bank account over in Ghana or Nigeria or someplace like that. That's what we're looking at in the future are crimes like that. Because as tech gets more ubiquitous within cybercrime communities, more and more people use it. So that's one of the major trends that we're going to see coming up now is is this whole deep fake idea with voice, with video, everything else. And, and how, do you, how does someone protect themselves against that? You don't. Wow. And so if somebody made a video and, and said, you know, you, the CEO I, I just said, that, I, yeah, I, but, it, but are they doing that for ransom? Are they doing that to hurt the person? Ransom, to hurt the person, to hurt the company, whatever. And I say that I, I've wanted to get people's attention when I say you don't. The truth of the matter is, is there, there are algorithms, there are services out there that can determine that a deep fake is being used. But just to the human eye, you can't yeah. tell that. Yeah. All right. So it's important to make sure that that you you are protected. And that's one of the things I like to talk about is that we as companies and as individuals, we need to know what our place is in the cybercrime spectrum, because you have a place. If you're a CEO or work payroll, the way that I will attack you differs from if you are work food service for 20 years. I'll still attack you. I'll still victimize you. But it differs if you have a company. Does your company have information that I can steal and resell on the black market? Or does it have information that is specific to your company that your company has to have to operate? That will determine whether I install ransomware on the system or just try to breach the system and steal the data to resell. So understand where you are in the cybercrime spectrum and design security around that. What does a trend to account takeover? What is that? 
So account takeover is something that has been going on since the inception of financial cybercrime when I started it. It's basically having enough personal information about you that I can ring your bank account, your credit card providers, the IRS, the Social Security Administration, anything, answer what's called KBA. So in the United States, everything is based on security questions. It's called KBA, knowledge-based authentication. It's the security questions that are asked when you, when you set up an account, try to transfer money, anything else like that. So if I have enough information about you, I can call your bank, spoof your phone number so that when I call the bank, it shows up as your phone number, not the number that I'm dialing from. Talk to customer service, tell customer service, hey, my name is Robert. I just need to update my bank account information, change the phone number on file. It's pretty easy to do that as long as I have enough information about you. And the sad thing is, is that it's pretty easy to get people's information from a criminal point of view. You know, what's funny is I sensed this years ago and I actually created my own persona. So all of my knowledge based authentication questions are based on something that's not me. And that's that's a that's a really good idea. The problem, of course, is that if someone decides to fish that persona out or set up a fake website and get those fake answers and then use those fake answers to answer the KBA anyway, uh, we as a country, we need to get away from using KBA questions. That's one of the big issues. Agreed. People can buy files of information about you, old passwords you've used, email addresses that you use, phone number, like everything. Everything is out there and available. I agree. Last year, we had 1,500 reported breaches. Of those 1,500 reported breaches, 2.6 billion records compromised. Everyone's information is out there. Today, I can go to just one specific website, robocheck.cm. It's a criminal website. I can buy your social security number and date of birth for $2.90. From there, it's pretty easy for me to go to Ben Verified, Spokio, Intellius, White Pages, pull a background check on you, use the background check information to go to annualcreditreport.com, pull your credit profile from that point, and then I've got enough information about you from there to start trying to set up new accounts in your name, try to take over your bank account, any number of things like that. It's, it's extremely easy for a criminal to steal your identity. All your information is out there. So the question becomes, okay, if our information is out there, how do we make sure a criminal can't use it if he has it? Yep. And how, uh, how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Robert's like, give me, give me, give me. <laughs> tell me, well, tell it, me. It, 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 again, it, go, it goes back to those three ideas, freezing your credit, monitoring your accounts, making sure that your passwords are secure. Once you do that, you're no longer that lowest hanging fruit. So if you realize that a criminal is mostly just interested in stealing money, if you've just got a base level of security, knowing that most Americans don't have that, a criminal, once he sees that you're more secure than someone that's much easier to pick, he'll go to that much easier target. Unless you're on Facebook screaming that you own 7,000 Bitcoins and then you're just a victim waiting to happen. Don't do that anymore. Don't do that anymore. Stop doing that. Hey, and how come how come I keep getting emails from Nigeria? <laughs> well, the Nigerians love you, Kim. <laughs> They're big fans. They all want to. They fans. all want to give me money. They all want to give me money. You know, the, the people the actually fall people, for for this. They do. They do. It's it's. Um, I've worked with people who have been ripped off on Nigerian scams. Um, it's big in romance scams right now. Puppy mill scams. The the fake prince scam that's still going around. What you have to realize is that the, <laughs> the Nigerian people prince. Oh, yeah. Prince. 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 We had an employee fall for that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, The Nigerian people are extremely educated. They're they're very highly educated. You've got a lot of poverty there. So when you mix poverty or the the need to, you know, 
provide for family, even though it's criminal, you get people that act out like that. And because of the amount of education that's in Nigeria, people are pretty good about breaking the law, about trying to scam people. At the same time, law enforcement is not very good about investigating any cybercrime in Nigeria. So you put all those elements together and it's like a perfect storm for all these scams that you see coming out of that area. So a quick question is, what are the minimal, oh, question is, who is most vulnerable? Me or a millennial? Old guys Actually, or Actually, you know, you would think that it would be senior citizens, but the most vulnerable group are the millennials. And I think that the reason that happens is because millennials have become tone deaf to the idea of being breached. They hear it so much, you know, all these breaches every single day that they now accept that their identity is going to be stolen. Uh, senior citizens are much, I think they're much more uh, aware of what happens on this planet. I really do. I think millennials are just kind of tone deaf to that. Now, that being said, I think that the the most vulnerable group are senior citizens because, you know, they, they tend to disconnect. A lot of senior citizens say, you know, I'm, I'm 50 now and I've got people that at 50 people are, that I know are dying, you know, and, and as we get older, our friends and our associates, they start to drop off over time and we become lonely and, you know, we disconnect and everything else. And I think that makes us vulnerable to a lot of these online crimes and that we have to be vigilant more than anything. You know, Do you think it's also fair that the, the older uh, folks tend to value privacy more also? I think that's a fair, a fair thing to say. And the reason is, is that, and I talk about this when I present to AARP groups. The thing is, is that a lot of senior citizens, they don't really have a big online presence. They don't do a lot of online banking. They don't have an myssa.gov web uh, account opened up or anything like that. They just do things by phone, the old school way. They figure that's safer. But the problem is, is that's not safer. It's actually less safe because if you don't have an online presence, it's easy enough for an identity thief or a cyber criminal to take your information, set up an online account in your name. And when that happens, it actually makes them look more legitimate than you, the actual owner of the account are at that point. Uh, that's one of the conversations that we try to have when I, when I talk to senior citizen groups is, you know, whether you use it or not. I don't care if you do online banking, but at least set up the account because if you don't, a criminal will in your name. Yeah, yep. You know, and, and Brett, one thing I hear a lot from millennials on the privacy issue is, well, I have nothing to hide. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, yes, you do have things to hide. You may not realize that, but you do. You've got bank accounts. You've got credit cards. Even if you don't have any credit, your identity is worth something to a criminal. A criminal can set up bank accounts in your name and launder money through that, causing warrants to be issued in your name. They can steal your credit. They can ruin your credit so that when you finally do get that money for a down payment on a home, that your credit is so destroyed that you don't get a home anymore. Or you try to rent someplace, but your credit is already destroyed because some identity thief has came in and already ruined it before you even start. That's the important thing to realize. You do have, you are important. You are of value. Your information is of value. And it's important that you protect it. Thank you. So anyway, we could go on forever on this. And uh, I'd like to bring you back when uh, you criminals figure new things out. (laughs) (laughs) Robert, I love you. You're great. Keep your outstanding. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. Thank you. You keep keep informing people. Yeah, keep up the great work because it's very needed. And it's going to be more and more needed as we go on. 
Thank yeah. you so much. So when we come back, thank you. When we come back, we'll be going more into what we're doing to protect all the stuff here at Rich Dad and our personal lives. We'll be right back. As the demand for telemedicine grows, so does the need for connectivity. 5G meets that need. Qualcomm remains focused on giving doctors and patients superior, security-rich 5G connectivity. Learn more at qualcomm.com slash inventionage. Do you have an old clunker sitting in your driveway worthy of poor dad? Is it taking up space while adding to your insurance bill? Well, we might have just the solution for you. This is Rich Dad Radio Show producer Rob, and I want to tell you about a new offer from the Rich Dad Company and Cars for Kids. Cars for Kids will pick up your donation at no expense to you and at your convenience, usually within 24 hours and sometimes the same day. Did I mention you get a tax deduction based on the sale price of the car? That's pretty cool. So, for a professional, contact-free pickup, just leave your signed title with your keys in the car to avoid unnecessary contact. The Cars for Kids driver will pick up your car while maintaining a safe social distance. With Cars for Kids, you get professional service, a convenient pickup, a maximum tax deduction, a vacation voucher, and a good deed. Donate today at carsforkids.org slash richdad. That's cars with a K, K-A-R-S, the number four, K-I-D-S dot org slash richdad. They'll give you the donation experience you deserve. Carsforkids.org slash richdad. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Once again, you can listen to the Rich Dad Radio program anytime, anywhere on iTunes, Android, or YouTube. And please leave a review or a comment whenever you listen. And all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. We archive them because we don't sell anything. We just, I mean, we sell education, but we don't recommend anything. So uh, please listen to this program again. You'll learn twice as much, but most importantly, on this one's especially friends, family, and business associates, because cybercrime is a much bigger crime than one of the biggest crimes we cannot see. So I thank Brett Johnson for his sharing of his wisdom and his humor comments <laughs> his, and his real life experience. As I said before, we, we like real teachers and somebody who, um, number one was on the FBI most wanted list who built and ran the first organized cyber crime community, meaning he was taking your information and your money. Um, and now he is teaching other people and organizations how to protect themselves. And so that is definitely our definition of a real teacher <laughs> and he's a character and he's a character. So it was really entertaining and learned a ton, learned a ton. So Rob, have you heard of his community shadow crew? Shadow Crew? I have. What yeah, you? like uh, they actually were sort of the beginning. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of a website called Silk Road. Yeah. Silk Road was a black, a dark web website where you could buy drugs, you could buy credit You've cards, you could buy whatever. <laughs> you heard of that? Oh, yeah. How did you yeah. hear of that? Silk Road was famous. Yeah. So they're basically, his crew was the pioneer of that. That's why uh, they call him the godfather of the internet because oh, right? he basically created an entirely different internet. I don't know if you've watched the video on that guy, but like the website that they actually built was a place for as a marketplace for hackers to buy information about people. You could buy credit card numbers. You could buy whatever you want to know about people. It was like wow. eBay for hackers. Wow. Jesus. I don't Jeez. Anyway, it's beyond me. Anyway, the most important thing we want to talk about is what we're doing at rich dad to, you know, protect our most valuable assets, which is our uh, people who love rich dad. 
And uh, most importantly, let's go into a little bit more detail about a hacker or a tech guy versus an engine, social engineering guy. So first of all, would you, would you say what, what, what we're doing to protect the privacy of our clients, our customers? Well, over the years, what we've done is there's a term they use in security is called obfuscation, right? I, I hate the word because it sounds fake, but it's basically breaking all your systems apart and putting them in different places. So if all your things are in one place, say if you have all your valuables in your house in the exact same place, somebody just needs to have access to that thing and it has everything. We break all of ours apart and we put them in different places. So it's really difficult to, to get every piece of our information. So, and we don't store anything that's really that important about our clients. We store those in outside services that are protected for this. Yeah, we don't store people's credit cards, anything, At all. any, no. any personal information like that. We stopped doing that long ago. Yep. So, uh, and then when we're talking about a tech person versus a social engineering, what's, a, hack, what's a hacker versus a what's social the difference? engineer? Uh, think of a hacker as somebody that's extremely sophisticated. They they understand the base level functionality of a computer, so they they know how to get in and reverse engineer anything on a computer. So hackers can access huge computer systems remotely. Social engineering is personal. You need to spend time to understand and learn about a person's persona, who they are, what they do. And then you put like a value score on that person. And that value score determines whether or not you're going to go after that person. And if you go after them, it can be through simple email phishing. You don't have to be sophisticated to be able to do that. You just have to be good at searching for things and then setting things up so people don't understand who you are and that's hiding what, yourself a little bit. That's what Brett was saying. He was saying that most of the people that are doing this, all the cyber crime, they're not geniuses. They're no, not rocket scientists. They're, not. they're, they're just pretty much doing I, I wouldn't common even consider sense. most of them baseline. You know, they, they have a, there was a term back, I don't know, about 10 years ago, they were called script kiddies. So they're basically like kids that would go on the internet, find these scripts and then they could easily get instructions on how to run them and they could target a website, flood it with a bunch of traffic, crash the website. And it was fun for them, right? It damaged companies, but it was fun. But they had no clue. They weren't technologists. They just knew how to follow instructions. And that stuff's everywhere. I mean, it, there's varying forms of these people. I'll say these people because they drive me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say to the, to the entrepreneur, especially a small business person? What would you say to them in terms of protecting themselves? Really, for me, it's just being diligent and smart. I practice this I'll, I'll, even at my house, right? If my wife gets an email that is even remotely fishy, she always shows it to me. We always look at it together. Same with weird text messages, anything like that. So for an entrepreneur, I would say pay attention. Like out, out of the gates, pay attention. You don't have to be that sophisticated. If something doesn't smell right, it probably isn't. Well, it sounds like, you know, a guy like this guy, Brett Johnson, they must be naturally smart at something though. I mean, they're, whether they. Oh, they're smart. They're He's, very uh, smart. They're smart, they're smart at knowing people's yeah. minds. Yeah. That's what they're smart Jeez. at. Yeah. So That's far. why he's a social engineer. He's, he's basically a untrained psychologist that just understands the human psyche. He knows what you want and he can make you think that he can give it to you as long as you give him something in return. That's the amazing. ultimate salesman. Yeah, yes, yes. Well, I'm glad to hear you're protecting the Rich Dad Company and all of our valuable job, people. Rob. Well, thank job. you, thank you, thank you, thank uh, you. It's good you. I'm not guarding it because it'll be, be Rob. <laughs> yeah, we all know that. <laughs> That's not news Anyway, to us. thank you. 
And uh, thank you all for Thanks, listening Rob. to the Rich Dad Radio Program. Thank you very much. Thank you.